Father, we, we turn our eyes on you. We focus on you this morning. And regardless of the ups and downs of, of life, Father, we know that you are our help. Our help comes from you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for, for this time to reflect on your word. We want to be changed and be transformed. Father, we pray for our children as well. As they continue to learn about Jesus, they will become like Jesus. Speak to us. Our focus is on you. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you. To see you this morning. I've been enjoying the, the coolness of, of the mornings. I like to take uh, walks in the morning. It's, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. We're still in this series of looking for a king in 1 Samuel. As we go through this series, it's important that we, we understand that in the Old Testament, God was dealing with Israel as a nation. And in the New Testament, God is dealing with us as individuals. It's a one-on-one -on -one relationship. But the principles are the same. What God was doing with the nation of Israel is doing with us as well. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, in chapter 15, we see the prophet Samuel. He comes in, in the battlefield, and he sees... Saul. Saul has won the battle, is victorious, and is, is there to, to just rejoice with him. And he asked him one question. Have you done, have you killed all the livestock like God has told you to do? Now, the way the conversation will go, it's almost like the conversation you have had with your teenager. Look, what you would say to your teenager, listen to this. Did you clean your room? Absolutely. Why isn't the floor vacuumed? Well, okay, I didn't vacuum this floor. That's what your teenager would say. Now, let's listen to the conversation Samuel is having with Saul. Did you kill all the livestock like I told you? We sure did. We'll kill them all. Well, that's funny, Saul. I hear sheep and oxen. Okay, well, all right. We did keep some of the sheep. So he's acting like a teenager. That indicates to me that they, there are some serious character flaws in his life. And we are going to see those character flaws so that we cannot repeat the same mistakes Saul, Saul did. Let me give you uh, a context recap here about what's taking place. Can I have my screen back, please? Okay, while they're trying to fix that. 
What's happening in chapter 15 is this. Amalek. Amalek is, uh, if you read Exodus chapter 17, you would understand this, those people, Amalek. They were cursed. They were cursed. They were cursed and God promised that he was going to wipe out the memory of Amalek. That he was going to be at war with them generation after generation. So you have to read chapter 17 of Exodus. We're not going to, to go there. But God wanted to destroy Amalek. And he asked Saul to do the job. I want you to destroy everything, to burn everything, to devote everything to me. So that's the instruction. You have to read Exodus 17, 16 to see that. Now, God is the judge of nations. So he's asking Saul to go and do the task, do the job to, to destroy Amalek. But Saul did not obey that clear command from God. He disobeyed. Now Samuel has to confront him. That's what I read here this morning. Did you obey? Did you kill all the livestock like, like God told you? He disobeyed. He was not obedient. So Samuel confronted him, and we will see that in chapter 15. And because he disobeyed, sentence came. God said, okay, you will no longer be king. I take crown from you. You were disobedient. You were not going to represent me again as a king over my people. And this is what we are going to see, to see in this chapter. But let me give you, do a little contrast between how Samuel ended his ministry, how he retired, the condition of the kingdom at that time. And I want us, I want us also to see how when the sentence of the downfall of Saul came, the condition of the kingdom, how the, the, the kingdom was at that time. Let's see, uh, let's read chapter 12, 1 to, to 5. Let's see how the condition of the kingdom was at that time. The Bible reads, And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me, and I have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? From have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me, and I will restore it to you. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you, and is anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. So, Samuel wants to leave office. 
and he's, he's confronting them. He said, okay, tell me if I did something wrong, I will repair it before I leave office. They said, no, you led us with integrity. You were a good leader. So Samuel is leaving Israel in good condition. Is an example for the next leader to come. So if you want to lead Israel good, do like me. And Saul could have, he could have inspired himself, like he could have just followed the example of, of Samuel to lead the people. And Samuel was available. He could have helped him take decisions, helped him administrate the, the, the affairs of the kingdom very well. Now, when Samuel uh, pronounced the downfall of Saul, things are not going well. Let's see that in verse 35. In verse 35, when he's deciding that the kingdom will be taken away from him. Verse 35, the Bible states, And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Very interesting. Now, when the Bible says, And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul. Why is Samuel crying so, so much? Because he looks at the condition of the kingdom. There are enemies around Israel. Enemies, Amalekites are there. I mean, they are just threat after threat around the kingdom. And he doesn't know who's going to lead after him. Because God has already rejected Saul. So when, when, when Samuel looks at the condition of Israel, he begins to grieve. He doesn't know the next leader, who the next leader will be. The people don't know who the next leader will be, but praise God, only God knows. Only God knows who the, the leader would be. But I think Samuel is also crying because Saul was to him like a son he never had. Remember, Samuel had two kids, but those kids were taking bribes. They were not fit to lead. Now, when he, was, he anointed Saul, he really wanted to, to impact this young man so that he can lead the people. But Saul also failed. He's crying for that also. It made me think that you can succeed in ministry and fail as a parent. It's amazing how we have this man of God, Samuel, who is leading the kingdom. But his own house, in his own house, is, is failing. We need to be careful to have our priorities straight. God, family, and ministry. God, family, and ministry. If we put God first, we put ministry and then family, we could succeed in ministry and fail as parents. So we see that contrast between the leadership of Samuel and the leadership of, of Saul. Now, for the rest of the message, I would like to speak about three things. First, I would like to see what it takes to make it for the long haul in life and ministry. 
I want us to talk, to look in, a little bit into that. And then I would like to us to talk a little bit also about the character flaws of Saul, so that we can avoid what Saul, Saul did. And finally, glean a few lessons we can learn from, from this chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. Let's start with what it takes for us to be stable, to have longevity in life and also in ministry. We must determine four things. Number one, we must determine the position God occupies in our lives. Who is God for us? And this is, this is the bottom line. God is good all the time. Amen. God is good all the time. It doesn't matter the ups and downs of life. It doesn't matter who is in power. If Trump is president, God is still good. He's good. If Biden is in power, even if you don't like him, God is still good. So you might as well go crunch a few sweet corn and, and go to bed. You will live longer, I'm telling you. Nothing can shake a child of God. God is good. It doesn't matter. You know, God can, can keep you from evil or can, let, can be with you in trial. God can choose to say, okay, no, 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 you are not going to experience this. Or God can say, no, 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 no. I want you to be in that, in that lion den, yeah, the lion's den, or in the fire. I want people to see what I can do when you go through that. Many of the things that we go through in life, is, it's not just for us. God is displaying who he is through our lives. But regardless of what's going on, God is good. If you know that, you'll be at peace. You'll be stable. You will live longer. You will enjoy your life. Number two, you must determine the importance of God's word in your life. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In other words, God was equating himself to his word. Now, if you reject the word of God, you are rejecting God. So in chapter, in verse 1 of chapter 15, the Bible says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. The words of the Lord are important. You have to listen to that. You have to obey to the word of God. But Saul rejected the word of God because he did not obey. By rejecting the word of God, he was rejecting the heavenly king. And the heavenly king decided that he was no longer going to be king over his people. So we must be careful to, to obey the word of God. And I'm not talking about something dramatic. Gabriel appearing in your bedroom saying, this is, listen to the word of God. No. What, what is God was telling, what, what has God been telling you last week? That's the word of God. It can be a nudge in your heart. God may be telling you to abandon something, obey 
Even right now, when the word of God is being taught, maybe God is telling you something. Obey to that word of, from God. When you obey, you are not going to be rejected by God. You're embracing God. Number three, we must determine God's priority for us. Seek first the kingdom of God. When you, hear, you see in the Bible, it says, seek first that priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and what God wants. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's will. So obeying to God's will, that's priority. And when we obey, we are just stability and, and longevity will be guaranteed in our lives. And finally, we must understand what it means to be the people of God. You know, in the, when Jonathan is telling David, David, I know you will become king. Let's, let's, let's sign a contract here. Let's, let's make an alliance. If I die, take care of my family. If you die, I will take care of your family. It's a contract. When we are God's people, we have a contract with God as well. Everything that happened to us concerns God. So God is in charge of whatever will happen in our lives. When you know that, you will be at peace. And when you are at peace, you will not have high blood pressure. <laughs> you will go to bed to sleep knowing that God is in charge. So those are the, the four things I wanted to share with you, knowing the position that God occupies in our lives, God is good. He's good all the time. It, you have to believe it. It must be sinking your spirit. It doesn't matter what I'm going through right now. I'm not doubting God is still good. You must determine the importance of, of God's word in your life. What is God saying to you right now? to abandon, to do, or not to do, obey. Obey. What's God's priority for you? I hope it's God's will and, and, and chasing that will. And finally, you need to understand you are God's people. God, God is in charge. God is in control. Yes. And you'll be stable. You will live longer. You will enjoy your life. Now, let's talk little, a little bit about sorts of flaws uh, and see how we can avoid those. Number one, he was dishonest. And let's see that in, in, in verse 24 and 25. He didn't want people to know that he had sinned. Let's see that in verse 24 and 25. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I fear the people and obey their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. When he said, come with me so that people will, let, let's play a role, that people will see that you are with me, it will appear as though I, I never sin. 
Because when I will bow before the, it will be a public event. And, and it will just appear like I didn't sin. So his image, his reputation is more important to him. So when he's saying, I have sinned, he's not really confessing. Because he say, okay, I've sinned, but come with me. Let's play a role here. I still want to be the big shot. I want to be the big deal. Not the real deal, just the big deal. I know God has already taken the crown from me, but let's just play a role here. It was not honest. Number two, it, it gets worse. He lacks integrity. It gets even worse. He doesn't want people, he, he wants things to appear like nothing happened. We can see that in verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned. He keeps saying he's, he's sinned, but his, action, his actions are showing the contrary. He said, I have sinned, yet, when you see yet that is key, yet, it means also but. <laughs> it's, it's just erasing everything that, that came before. I have sinned, yet, honor me. Okay, that's the image thing again. Honor me now before the elder of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So I, I, I want people to, to see like nothing had happened. Let's just pretend. I sin yet. I sin, but just come with me. Let's, let's present. Let's put up a face here. And, and if you, you're careful, you will see the progression of sin. When sin starts, it doesn't stay there. It gets worse. Before, he didn't, he didn't want to, people to see that he had sinned, but now, in verse 30, he wants to appear as nothing had happened. And finally, he never really repented. He never really, he was not capable of repenting of his sin because he kept, he kept, he was obsessed of his reputation, of his image. I hope we avoid those, those, uh, those mistakes of soul. We need to be honest. If you lead people, you're over a few people in your life, when you do wrong, go tell them you are wrong because they know already that you, you messed it up. They're just waiting for you to, to say it. When you come, you say, I was wrong for the decision I took. They will tell you, we knew you were wrong. We're just waiting for you to admit it. And when you say that, they will even trust, trust you even more. Because we think if we, we are transparent, we, we, we always have that tendency to hide our weaknesses. We don't want people to see it. But when we are honest, people will even, even trust in us even, even more. Be a person of integrity. What you say, what you do, and who you are is always the same all the time. All the time. And confess. Confess to your spouse. Confess to your... I don't know. I noticed like women, like husband and wife, like 
80% of the time women are right. Of, in my marriage, that's the case. 80% of the time she's right. I have to swallow my pride and say, Mel, I'm sorry. What did you say? Like she didn't hear. She want to hear it again. <laughs> Mel, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Forgiven. As tell your kids you are sorry if you, when you mess, you, you just do something wrong. Say, I'm sorry. They will even trust in you even more. Even more. Let's see a few lessons we can glean in, uh, in this chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. Lesson number one. Your character flaws will always catch up with you. Just keep living. In the process of time, your true nature will come up. You cannot hide that. Who you really are, I mean, will come up in the process of time. So just keep living. If you are concerned about someone, uh, just live with them. Give time. The true person, the true nature of person will come up. And this is what came. Saul was insecure. And you know, at the beginning when they selected him because he was tall, he was hiding behind the, the luggages and it was not humility, it was insecurity. It was insecurity because you would think he's humble, he doesn't want to take those responsibilities. But in the process of time, we can see he was not even capable of admitting his mistakes. He was full of himself. So your character flaws will always catch up. For leaders who like to select when you are in the selection of leaders, uh, just live with people. Take, take time. Give people time. Live with them. The true nature will come up. Don't be too much concerned about that. Asking questions, calling everybody. Live with them. Sin does not stop when it starts. It gets worse. When you, you, you read about war, and you ask people, how were you able to kill so many people? They say, it's when you cross the first killing. That's, the first one is always difficult. Your conscience is always, always telling you, don't do it. But once you cross that, you begin to do horrible things. And that's true with sin. It's the first one. The Holy Spirit will be telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. God loves you. You will, you will sadden the Holy Spirit. Don't do it. If you just close your ears and, and, and go cross that line, that's it. The second one will be even worse. Your condition will go, will even continue to go worse and worse. Number three. God can fire you and keep you in a position to hold for another. I know Pastor Floyd last week he was saying Saul was not a good king, but God kept him there for 40 years. Can you believe that? For 40 years. Why? I was thinking about that. And I there's a tentative answer here. I think God was keeping him there to prepare for the next king. 
Who's better qualified to prepare for a king than the king himself? Have you had like uh, at your job a bad supervisor? When they are frustrated at home, he brings or she brings a, a trouble at, at, at work and just that vent on you, hate on you, speak bad of you. But the more they were doing it, they were pushing you to pray more, to seek the face of God, say, God, you have to help me here. They keep talking behind my back and saying things that, I'm not, <laughs> that are not true. And the process as you were praying, God promoted you even in that same place. How would you feel? You feel like even sending them a postcard. Say, thank you for hating on me. Thank you for saying bad things about me because that pushed me to know the Lord. This is what's happening here. David is a, is a shepherd boy. He doesn't know. God wants to prepare him to be a warrior. How to prepare you to be a warrior? Okay, Saul, send him your Navy seal to chase him all over, all over the place. So David is learning how to, to fight, how to, to hide himself in those caves and God is, is preparing. God is good all the time. Even when David is being chased, he could have been just crying, God, what are you doing? I'm your kid and you let Saul. God said, I know what I'm doing. I'm preparing a king. I want you to have a tough skin. Let them chase you. They will teach you a few lessons. Those who take for themselves what is devoted to God do not finish well. Remember Ophni and Phineas, those are the two kids of Eli. There were a few, like when the, the meat was boiling, they would take a fork and, and grab a couple of good parts of, and those meats were to be sacrificed, to be burned, but they would take it for themselves. And we know the end of those two kids, they die. So when God is telling Saul, I want you to destroy Amalek, God wants to devote everything to himself. And when Saul is sparing the king and is sparing that livestock, he's taking what belongs to God. Saul is, is another orphan. And those who, who take what belongs to God don't finish well. And we know how Saul finished. He killed himself. Now, for some reason, I'm thinking about about tithing. I know in this church we don't put pressure on people to give to God. But this principle is still true. I don't want you to ignore it. Your tithe belongs to God. When you're bringing it to God, you are worshiping God. You're saying, God, thank you for giving me strength to acquire everything that I have. But if you keep using what belongs to God, you may not finish well. That's all I'm going to say about it. I don't want to ruin your Sunday and your lunch. Let's go back to Samuel and Saul. <laughs> but, but think about that. Don't touch what belongs to God. Honor him. 
and you will finish well. Number five, sparing what God has commanded us to destroy may later destroy us. God wants Saul to destroy Amalek because if Amalek leave, Amalek will destroy them. Remember, I think, uh, I don't recall the title. Do something. I think in, one, in this series, there's one, uh, I don't know which chapter, we're talking about do something. So when God is asking us to do something, it's for a reason. Because he doesn't want that something to destroy us. Don't do this. Don't do it. Because if you do it, it will destroy you. I remember when we were kids. I mean, we tried different things. Those, those electric outlets, the parents would tell you, don't put anything in there. We don't believe them. You just take a, a nail or something. You say, I'm going to try. You just put that, that nail in there, and then you, you just hear in the house, ah! And you don't hear anything else. The person get the lesson. You want to go try? No, 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 no. I learned my lesson. I'm not going to try it. So when God is telling us not to do something because you already know it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt us, uh, don't get involved in that relationship. It's going to destroy you. It's not going to bring peace. Uh, there are something, some, something also, there are some people we need to let go to because they cannot go where God is leading us. It said, you remember Abraham when he wants to, to go worship to the mountain with Isaac? He tells the servant, you stay here. <laughs> I'm going with Isaac there to worship and we will be back. I cannot bring all of you with us because if I bring you over there, you... You are, you, are, you are going to prevent me to, to sacrifice Isaac. You stay there. So do what God is telling you to do. If you don't, it may destroy. It may destroy you. Number six, God sometimes allows us to settle for the outward or the superficial. If that is all we want. What Saul wants is say, Samuel, just honor me. I just want to, sh- to, to appear like a big shot. The big deal. I, d- I don't want to be the real deal. I just want to be the big deal. Samuel said, okay. I don't want to immediate the king. I can accommodate you. If that's all you want, to, to, to have the public acclaim of people. You just want to impress people. I can accommodate you with that. No problem, I'm not going to humiliate you. Let's play a role. I will go along. God can let you have it. But if you want God, you want all of him. Run to him. Go a little further. Go up a little higher. It's like this, uh, this son who is who's hiking with, uh, with dad. They, go to, they come to one level to say, wow. Oh, Dad, look at this. That takes a few pictures. They take pictures and say, Dad, this is, this is awesome. And the father look at the son and say, you haven't seen anything yet. Let's go up. 
Let's go up. Let's go up a little higher. I've been to the top already. You will be amazed what we will see. Sometimes we settle for the, the less. My life is good. I don't want more. No, God said, no. Go a little higher. Ah, there are many things God wants to show us in life and also in ministry. History doesn't remember those who compromise the principle of life. God wanted to destroy the memory of Amalek. If you keep compromising your, 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 your values, no one will remember you. You may need to buy a tombstone to remind people who you were. But God wants your life to be the tombstone. You won't, you won't even need to buy one. And when the next generation, see, they start praying the God of the God of our father, the God of our grandfather. And they put your name there. Thank you, Lord, because you allow Billy to be born. Isn't something? We are talking about Samuel after years. The guy is gone. We keep talking about him. We cannot erase his memory. The guy led with integrity. That's what God wants for us. I'm excited about the master plan for that reason. When I see our focus is to impact our kids so that they can impact also their kids, we are thinking generationally. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's what excites me about, about this plan, this, the master plan. We are investing on, on our children. This is their church. One of them will pastor this church. And hopefully they'll say, the God of Pastor Floyd. <laughs> the God of Billy. The God of, of Jamie. Hallelujah. My sermon in one sentence. A true leader does whatever it takes to make the life of other people better. So when God allows us to come on earth, he wants us to serve our purpose in our generation, to impact this generation and to move out of the scene, but to make the life of people we, we meet better. This is what Act 13, 6, uh, 36 says. For David... After he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was led with his father and so, and so corruption. So when he was alive, he served God in his generation. He impacted people in his generation. He did the will of God in, in his generation. He made the life of the people better in his generation. Then he retired. And died. Are we making the life of people around us better? Or when we die, people say it was time. He had to go. Dorcas, it's Dorcas who, in, in Bible, I believe in Act, when she passed away and the church were crying, he said, Peter, 
This, cannot, this one cannot die. She was helping her widows and she was helping people. This one cannot die. Ask your God to bring her back. We still need her. And God heard the prayer because she was impacting a generation. She was making the life of the people, of the people better. Your questions for you. Why do many leaders start strong but then fail or self-destruct? That's something to think about. How can we become good models for generations to come? And also, how do you intend to finish with your work, your work with God? Make life, life of the people around you, a better place. A better, a better place for them to live in. One of those people I was thinking about, Nelson Mandela. <laughs> this man was not a perfect man, but he, was, uh, he did something for his people. Nelson Mandela, for those who, who do not know the man, was the first uh, uh, democratically elected president of South Africa. The guy, he spent 27 years of his life he said, if he, that takes, it will take for me to be jailed, that's where I'm going. They tried to bribe him a, a couple of times, get out, we'll give you a home, a house, a car, and stop talking about those things. Say, no, close the door, throw the key, I'm here, until my people can enjoy the country, just like everybody's enjoying. So apartheid was the whites uh, from Europe were governing that country, but they wanted to govern it separately from, from the, the, the black, and they, they did not want to come together. They wanted just separate, like the, the concept of separate but equal that we know in this country. But the guy fought with integrity. If it take for me to go to jail, I'm going. But the life of my people should be a great place, a great life. That's how we need to be. We have sinners all over the place. In this community, people talk about God, but are they really living for God? Question mark. Many people, have, they like religion. But we need to, to be good witnesses of the Lord. We need to impact the people around us, to impact our family, to impact our workplace, to impact for the glory of God. Worship team, come, let me finish this. By connecting this with the gospel, what did Jesus do? The Bible says in, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus came so that we may have life and have, li have life to the, full, to the full. When you give your life to God, God God will make something out of it. It will always be bigger and better than how he found it. So when Jesus came, we were messed up. We didn't even, we're not even looking for him. But when he comes, he gives us fulfillment. He gives us, give us a sense and a purpose. And, and we enjoy life to the full. We get to know him. And he said, he will save us and our children and we are satisfied when we see our children also 
serving him. It's amazing. That's why we need to, to, to Jesus is, God is giving us a hand. He said, I love you. Do you love me too? We need to respond to that love. And if you give me your life, I will not just give you life, but I will give it to you to the full. I'll give, bring purpose, fulfillment, so that you can enjoy it. And through you, other generations can enjoy also the life. Take some time, reflect on those words, respond to it, and God will bless, will bless your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We just, want, we just don't want to hear it. We want to be transformed and changed by it. As for me and my house, and Joshua, who we serve the Lord. God, help us to focus on you. Help us to be good witnesses of, of, of yours. To impact our generation. To live with integrity. To be honest. Also to repent when, when we need to. And help us to be a model. Model true leaders for others to follow. Bless this day. Bless this coming week. And bless the rest of the year as well. We thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name.